Spotify. Hello. Thank you for choosing the Lackadaisical Libricubicularist Podcast. Without further delay, here is your host, Jordan Maywood. Hello! Welcome to the Libricube. My name is Jordan Maywood, and I'm a fucking idiot. Yep. Never started an episode like that before of the Lackadaisical Liberal Cubicleist Podcast, of which I am the Lackadaisical Liberal Cubicleist. Welcome to the Liberal Cube, by the way. However, what I've done is uh, an idiotic thing to do, and that is drove to work this morning, recorded an entire Internet Day episode, with the exception of putting my recording device on. Other than that, everything went totally according to plan. Fuck. That is a horrible, horrible feeling, let me tell you. It's been so long that I've had any sort of oops moments that uh, I think I probably had become complacent. But I did, as I do, get to work, reach down to turn off my recording device, a.k.a. my iPhone, and uh, it wasn't there for the reason that it was in my pocket still. Fuck. It was horrible. And you know what? I'm pretty sure... The Friday Internet Day episode that I recorded came out pretty goddamn good. I think there were some laughs. There may have been some cries. Probably not cries. Yeah, probably more laughs than cries. Maybe there was some cries. I don't even know. But, uh, yeah, pretty pissed off. And it's just one of those things that I think when you are putting out content of any kind, it's not always going to go 100% according to plan. Sometimes things are going to get fucked up. And that is what happened. Hmm. Uh, debated, go, went back and forth, should I re-record? Yeah, I probably am going to. In fact, uh, what I'm going to do, I've decided to do, is right now what I'm recording is the opening to my re-recording of that Rock Internet Day episode. Okay? You with me, I hope? We'll see how well it goes. One thing I think might be good silver lining-y is that it was kind of close to me being able to fit in the whole thing on the way to work, but uh, not enough. But I didn't have enough time. So, me pre-recording the opening means that uh, if I speed through maybe a teens bit more than I did originally, which is probably possible since I've already talked about it once, so I kind of know where I'm going a little bit maybe. I don't know, we'll see. Anyways, uh, it may be more likely that I fit it all in on the way to work. So that's the sort of silver lining, I suppose, I guess. Oh boy. Uh, let's say some things that I say at the top of every show before I push this button that says transition. Transition. Things such as on every day of the week, with the exception of Fry Internet Days, I give a spoiler warning. However, I do not feel that it is warranted on Friday Internet Days to warn of spoilers for the reason that I'm bringing things back from the interwebs. So, I don't know. What do you think? What do you think? If you think, and DDD, or Dig Down Deep, you will realize that the fact that I always warn that I don't give out warnings is a sort of warning unto itself. So there, gotcha. You thought you had me didn't. I had you. Another thing I like to say is that if you like what you hear, the only payment I ask is one million dollars. 
I couldn't even say that with a straight face. The only payment I ask is perhaps you pass the podcast on to a friend. Perhaps you rate, subscribe, and comment within iTunes, as that is what helps podcasts grow. Those two things. Pass it on, people. Pass the buck. No, don't pass the buck. Pass this podcast on. With all of that said, I suppose it will take us in. Oh, no, wait. Ah, you know what? I did remember to do it on my podcast that I didn't record, and almost forgot to do it on the, this podcast that I am recording, and that is to say there's an app for this, meaning this podcast. I like to mention my app on Fry Internet Days for the reason that it kind of, sort of, kind of, sort of, kind of, sort of goes hand in hand, more so than it does with any of the other days of the week, Movie Monday, TV Tuesday, Book Wednesday, or her Video Games Day. Anyways, if you are a listener of podcasts on an Android device of any kind, what you can do is go to the Google Play Store and type in anything from Jordan Maywood to Podbean Maywood to Lackadaisical Liberal Cubriculist, obviously, although that's a little wordy to be typing in. But hey, consider it a challenge for yourself to see how quickly you can type in Lackadaisical Liberal Cubriculist. That'll be fun. It's like a game. It's a game, people. Like life. Life. I made a fist when I said life the second time there for dramatic effect, but I've realized uh, this is an audio-only version, so mm, did it come across? Maybe it did. I don't know. Back to the apps. If, like me, you are using an iDevice, what you can do is add the Podbean mobile version of my podcast website to your home screen, which is very app-like in both form and function. Thank you to Podbean. Okay, now we can move into our last piece of podcast-related business, which is today's sponsor, which is the TED Talks Talking Teddy Bear. Once again, today's sponsor is the TED Talks Talking Teddy Bear. Thank you to them for sponsoring this episode, this Internet Day episode, in which I have brought in back, it's already been brought in, not that, three separate TED Talks. Yeah, you know what, I felt like, A, I hadn't brought back a TED Talk in a while just because they hadn't sort of pulled me in. No TED Talk titles, TED Talk titles, TED Talk titles had really uh, caught my eye. So when uh, a bunch of them did, I said, hey, I said to myself, I says, why don't you bring back a whole bunch of them? And uh, we'll call that an episode. It'll be your most educational episode that you've ever done with zero um, funny, funny podcasts or funny, funny videos or fun. This is a goddamn serious episode, and if you don't take it seriously, I am going to put my foot in your ass a la Red Foreman. Red Foreman, a la foot in ass. That, that, that's not good. It's, it's a bad thing. So, yeah, potentially this episode will be so bursting with edumacation and edumatainment that um, school systems across the globe will decide to use it as part of their curriculum. I don't know. Anything's possible. 
That's probably not possible. But lots of things are possible within the liberal cube. Things such as me pushing this button that says transition, where moments afterwards I will start talking about these TED Talks. How does that grab you? By the short and curlies, I hope? Yeah. Pushing button now. Transition. TED Talk title the first is Inside the Secret Shipping Industry with Rose George as our speaker. First name Rose, last name George. That's two first names for a name. One of them being uh, also a, a, a word. Rose is a word for, well, a rose. Because a rose by any other name would be as George. Right? Huh? So uh, this was an interesting talk in that I think one of its main goals is to illustrate something kind of called sea blindness. And that is the fact that uh, 90% of the shipping done on this globe today is done via the sea, via the oceans, via giant-ass cargo ships. And that's kind of something not thought of very often. It's almost as if we are blind to this fact, sea blind, hence roses. I don't know if she coined this term, I don't think she did, but uh, it's an interesting thought, because yeah, you never really think how, well maybe that's sort of a western rich white guy <laughs> friggin' thought, that you never really think how the goods you have get to you. Some people do, but um, some people do not. Part of her... Uh, studies involved going on one of these cargo ships and doing a, doing a run or two. I can't remember which. Uh, this is interesting for the reason that if you've ever seen one of these cargo ships, they are friggin' huge. Just enormous. Like, many, many. If we're going to measure things in football fields, it's, it's many of them. That's interesting right there, but what I thought was even more interesting from this talk is that the shipping industry has sort of been around for so long that they've been able to sort of whittle it down, whittle it down, whittle it down to the point where it's so automated and everything's planned up beforehand that these ships only have maybe 20 people on the crew. And that's sort of mind-boggling when you consider the size of them. But I guess they have it figured out pretty well anyways. Another sort of further illustration of this sea blindness is the fact that when you, and me anyways, I perhaps I should just say when I think of giant companies on this planet. You know, you're going to go, your Googles, your Microsoft, quite often tech companies such as that. However, some of these shipping companies, and the example she used is one called Maersk, which is spelt weird, and I didn't write it down, are multi-multi-billion dollar companies where their sort of sales, yearly sales, are up and sometimes above of companies such as Apple and Microsoft and, and things that we consider the world's biggest companies. So, that sort of makes sense, I suppose, for the reason that most of the shipping is done through these guys. You're going to make some money controlling 90% of shipping on the globe. Right? Right. This talk delved... Delved? Yeah, sure, delved into some other topics. I think that was sort of the focus, but some of the other topics were pirates. Because pirates, I didn't know they exist. I didn't know like, still exist, I, I should specify. 
uh, Somali pirates are sort of infamous, and from the sounds of it, still going strong, and have, at any given moment, like 500 people held hostage for ransom. Like, right now, as I am speaking these words, they have around 500 people held hostage, and that's, like, how has this been allowed to go on for so long? It's very, very surprising. It's the law of the sea, right? That there is no laws. Well, there is. Like, pirating's illegal. So, come on. Don't do it, Somalians, please. The other thing, she got in a little of the uh, ecology of these giant ships and pointed out... Well, one thing is that there's no real regulations on what they ha can use for fuel, so they're using, they're using real shitty fuel, like the dregs, the, the fuel that is so crude that it's practically asphalt, she said. Uh, so, on this globe, I keep saying on this globe, just because this is such a huge phenomenon, uh, on this globe, see, said it again, there are, I forget how many, but I think it was only in the hundreds of these ships running at any given moment, and these hundred ships have the same output of pollution of all the cars on Earth. So, maybe something should be done about that. I don't know. It doesn't seem like a good thing. The other thing is something you probably wouldn't thought, think about, and that is noise pollution. The giant propellers needed to, well, propel these ships are friggin' loud as hell underwater. So, what that has done is ruined a lot of uh, whale habitat, audio-wise. In the sense that whales need to be able to find each other in order to mate. So, normally their calls can be heard over uh, hundreds, sometimes even thousands of miles. However, with these propellers going, that noise gets uh, muffled or blocked entirely, so these whales can't fight each other, therefore can't mate. Therefore, whale populations are going way, way down just from friggin' noise. So, uh, yeah, pretty, uh, pretty crazy there. Could there be, like, some sort of baffles on these things to make them silent? I know it costs money, but no whales is sad, isn't it? Look at, uh, Star Trek, uh, which is it, uh, Star Trek for the Voyage Home, where they had to save the whales. What if that happens? Let's just save them now, so we don't have to travel back in time and then bring whales from the past to the future, so that, uh, the whale probe doesn't destroy Earth. Let's just do it now, and, and save ourselves the trouble, right? Right? Oh, wow. <laughs> Got nerdy on that one, and I friggin' love it. Okay, Ted Tuck title the second is called the $80 prosthetic knee. Ah, this one's kind of interesting just for even the reason that I'm sort of working in this field a little bit. Don't sell prosthetics, but do sell uh, like wheelchair cushions and backs and sort of things of that nature. So uh, that added a tinge of interest. But uh, I, I think even if you are not in this field of healthcare and sciences, you, uh, you'll find this interesting. The girl giving the talk, her name was Krista Donaldson. Oh, you know what? I wanted to point out, and did the first time I recorded it, is that uh, because this is sort of a special TED Talk episode, Fra Internet Day episode, that is, uh, I actually remembered to write down all the names of the people giving these talks, whereas normally um, I have not done so because of the name curse. The name curse brought about when I ran over a gypsy man 
while receiving a blowjob, and his wife cursed me with the inability to remember names and quite often to rem to remember to even write them down. That name curse. Folks, uh, before I get any further into the prosthetic knee, I'm going to have to stop and get a little of the old gasoline. Or, as we say in Canada, where I am currently driving, in a shittily plowed road, fuckers, go-go uh, juice is what we call gasoline in Canada. Please, please do not question that fact. You don't have time. you got to listen to the rest of this podcast. Just trust me. Would I lie to you, question mark? No, of course I wouldn't. Gasoline, go-go juice, Canada. I will be back in some moments after I pump this baby out. Other little-known fact, our pumps within Canada are made out of polar bears. Yep, um, you pump it out of their um, penises. Mm -hmm. That's where the gas comes out, and you plug it into your snowmobile. Did I mention I'm driving a snowmobile right now? Forgot to mention that point, I think. Back in a moment. Editing. 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 On the road again. Road again. The On the Road Again Remix. Thank you for that voice box. $80 prosthetic knee. What does a high-end prosthetic knee, you might be asking yourself. Upwards of $20,000. What the fuck? $20,000 down to $80? How is this possible? Well, uh, it's not quite as good as <laughs> the $20,000 one. The $20,000 one, she explains, usually used for sort of soldiers back from Iraq who, I guess, lost their legs, which uh, kind of surprised me a little bit just because I've heard, I guess, it would be the other side of the story, the other side of the coin, where uh, American soldiers come back and they're not really taken care of very well. But if they're getting $20,000 prosthetic knees, that's pretty well taken care of. I mean, considering you could have an $80 one and they're spending $20,000, that's, that's not bad. <laughs> I don't know what I'm basing that on. Uh, I don't know if it's actual fact or <laughs> Lieutenant Dan from Forrest Gump that uh, I don't think got treated very well after the army. Maybe that's what I'm basing my information on, in which case um, I'm an idiot. Well, we know I'm an idiot. This is me re-recording a podcast that I didn't record, so that stands to reason that I'm an idiot at other things as well. Hmm, interesting. Anyways, so a, a, a mid-level one, uh, $1,400, which, uh, if you're going to use a knee every day, $1,400 doesn't seem ridiculous. It does seem a little ridiculous if you know there exists out there an $80 one, though, does it not? A little bit. A little bit. Again, perhaps not as functional but still seemed to work pretty good. This shows a, she uh, showed examples of it in action, and uh, it seemed to get the job done, more so than other sort of very cheap versions, because there are cheap versions as well, but uh, this seemed much, much better. She said it was the sort of keys to getting people to use this. One of them is not giving it away for free, uh, so it's sort of sustainable, which seemed like an interesting idea. That one's given away for free, that's not a, uh, I guess, something you can sustain over the long term. So charging $80 means that they can get this into the as many hands or as many legs as possible across the globe. Uh, and this is sort of aimed at people who make less than $4 a day. I, I assume 
that's four dollars American a day. So I guess your poorer countries or your poorer areas of countries. Now this is where the talk for me got very very interesting in one regard and less interesting in just terms of the prosthetic knee itself. Let me explain. Now part of the design of this knee was tailoring it to who is going to be using it most. So again, less than four dollars, living in these poor countries, and people who, this is something you probably wouldn't think of, but once you know it is obvious, people who sit cross-legged. Uh, in India, in China, Pakistan, countries such as that, quite often, sitting on the ground, sitting cross-legged. Another thing they took into account is the ability to easily kneel and pray. Now this is where my mind was sort of blown. They point out, and when I say they, I mean this girl and TED Talk, point out that, and uh, I'm just going to use round numbers for the purposes of our talk here, that will not be 100% accurate because I didn't write down the actual numbers. Um, say on this globe right now, again we're going on this globe because this is a global phenomenon, on this globe right now there are uh, 100,000 people who need prosthetic knees. Of those 100,000 people, 80% um, live in countries where praying is a large part of day-to-day -day life. So to me, the atheist in me, perhaps I should specify, that says that there is a correlation, the correlation being that the more you pray, the more likely you are to lose a leg. Now, that may offend people, uh, but something, and again, I know what that something is, the atheist in me finds that, I probably shouldn't use the word amusing, but the fact that it is a, it is a mathematical fact that countries where people pray more often are more likely to lose their limbs. Huh? That's where I stopped paying attention to the talk as far as the knee itself and just focused on that idea and brought it back here to mention it to all my atheist friends listening to this. How about that? The power of prayer, people. The power of prayer. Okay, uh, that'll take us into our last TED Talk, which I will mention I did not get in on the way to work on my original recording of this podcast. See, I, I knew on my second go-through, would perhaps go a little bit quicker, so that is what happened. Silver lining, perhaps? Perhaps. Uh, this TED Talk title is, I got 99 problems, palsy is just one of them. Uh, there might not have been a them on the end. Palsy is just one. This is a talk given by Maysoon Saeed. Maysoon Saeed is a bit of a comedian. A bit of a standing-up comedian, as Jimmy Pardo might say. One of my favorite things of TED Talks is the combining of seriousness and comedy, and uh, Maysoon here did its friggin' awesome lead. This is probably my favorite of these three talks. Maysoon was born in the doctor... <laughs> she said the doctor was drunk and fucked up, which, uh, because she's a comedian, uh, I suppose I'm going to take with a grain of salt, a grain of comedic salt. But uh, regardless, the result is that she didn't have uh, enough oxygen when she was born, so now she's got a bit of a palsy, a palsy 
in the form of uh, shaking a little bit, not being totally steady. You know, a, a palsy, a palsy. <laughs> She's just all about the jokes. One of my, uh, one of the things she pointed out right off the bat is that. She's a Palestinian Muslim girl and, uh, her word, disabled. So, despite all these things, has managed, managed, oh God, managed to use humor to make her situation uh, bearable and make her life have joy within it. And that just right hits me, hits me right in the in the friggin' like button. It's me right in the cockles of my comedy-loving self that uh, someone in this situation has... I don't, I don't think she's necessarily used these things to create comedy, but maybe she has. Maybe there's two ways you can look at it. She, despite these things, has been comedic, or with these things intermingled with comedy, has created a, a comedy that others cannot create. Hmm, how about that. She uh, lives in New Jersey and has a little bit of that uh, Jersey um, flair, let's call it. Yeah, flair, which uh, which was amusing for me as well. Uh, instead of therapy for this palsy, she went to dancing school. So uh, that's very, very interesting, actually. And I wonder if, because she seemed, despite this palsy, to be fairly mobile, definitely more so than others are, who have the same affliction. So Perhaps uh, dancing school as a form of therapy for palsy. That's that's a TED Talk unto itself, really, when you think about it. She told the story, and uh, this is one of my favorite parts, told the story how when she was in college, she was, uh, I guess, in drama or acting, whatever you want to call it, and she never seemed to get a role within a play, or not a large role, just sort of bit roles. Uh, eventually, a role came along. The role was, I forget the name of the play, but the role was one of the... One of, if not the main role of the play, in which a girl had palsy. <laughs> uh, do you know where I'm going with this? Do, do you, can you already sense the potential for comedy within this story? She did not get the role. <laughs> that is fucked up. Uh, she, she, she was comedically bitter about it, but uh, not as angry as I think <laughs> she could have been in that situation. She uh, apparently also has been doing comedy for a very long time, which uh, I I'm like to consider myself a comedy nerd and know a lot of the comedians out here, but I, I don't think I've ever seen her, her act before. Oh, you know what? Uh, Jordan, mental note. See if you can find online some Maysoon Zaid's act. Some of, that is. Because what I could see from this TED Talk is she's definitely got some comedy chops, which comes with being in the biz for a long time, which apparently she has. Uh, definitely for the reason as well that she has been, uh, I don't know if you'd say billed, but has been called at the very least the first or one of the first uh, Arab comedians. So that's kind of interesting to have that distinction. She kind of poo-pooed it a little bit and said there was others before her, I think, but uh, still modest as well. Hey, I like her. She's pretty too, actually. Now that I mentioned the liking of her, pretty on the eyes. <sighs> One thing she points out, and this is kind of disgusting, but whatever, uh, is the fact that she has read, I guess, internet comments about herself, and they are not nice. Which uh, saddens me to no end. Why can't the internet be nice? Because it's nice to be nice. The nice, as we say at the end of this podcast, that I will say shortly, because we're almost done talking here. But uh, why does there always got to be jerks? It's the 
I'm not the one coming up with this, but it's the sort of uh, anonymity behind the screen that you can say anything and there's going to be no repercussions because you're not doing it face-to-face. No one knows who you are. No one knows that you're saying these things. Now, if that was taken away, the comments (laughs) that are mean would probably disappear or only appear from those who are truly in actual, factual, real-life assholes. And those people have shitty lives anyways, so let them have their shitty comments. Uh, On that sort of note, she thinks that social media is bad for motivation. And even went so far as, as to say, and this saddens me as well, that she thinks if growing up she had access to social media... Uh, the motivation for her to sort of take these dance lessons to try to overcome her palsy, to try to be comedic in a stand-up form, uh, may not have happened because she would have been lacking the motivation due to people saying things like, you suck, and making fun of her, and and horrible things like that. That saddens me, uh, just for the reason that now I think that kids today who are from birth exposed to the internet are going to have that lack of motivation in things for the reason that they'll be made fun of much more easily online due to the anonymity of the internet, whereas without the internet you may get made fun of, but it'd be face-to-face and would be much less infrequent and mean. Yeah. Okay, so, uh, yeah, we fit it all in. Mission accomplished. Check out all these TED Talk titles. Why don't you? Uh, definitely recommend that one was my favorite one because it combines the comedy that I so, so love. So, so love. I guess, when you think about it, that will leave one final thing to say, which is always the final thing to say, really, which is it is nice to be nice to the nice. Thank you for listening. We here in the Liberal Cube would love to hear from you. If for any reason you would like to contact us, you can do so via the email address, mailwood.jordan at gmail.com. And now I have a theory. I've got a theory that it's a demon, a dancing demon. Something isn't right there. I've got a theory. The best is yet to come, and babe, won't it be fine? You think you've seen the sun, but you ain't seen it shine. Wait till the warm-up's underway. Wait till our lips have met. Wait till you see that sunshine day You ain't seen nothing yet The best is yet to come and babe Won't it be fine The best is yet to come, come the day you're mine Live long and prosper